I have a lot of reason to give up, but I never give up. Okay. This is the, uh, this is the one key, one of the keys to success. You have to, to stick in your target and to go for that. Lot of Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Rhinoplasty podcast with me, Dr. Cameron McIntosh. We're in the month of August, which is proudly enabled by Pentax Loops. If you don't have Pentax Loops, you don't have loops as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, reach out to Pentax Loops and check it out. Our guest today on the show, I'm very excited about this, um, all the way from Israel, Shay Duvdevani. Shay, welcome to today's episode. I can. So, Shay, thank you very much for thank you very much for inviting me to your podcast. Awesome, man! It's so good to have you here. Uh, so, the first time we met was way back in June of 2018 in Washington D.C., where we were both nervous wrecks having to write the international board exams of facial plastic surgery, and here we are, so many years later, having been able to attend a congress in Israel. And uh, now talking about revision rhinoplasty and all sorts of other things today. So my first question to you, Shay, we were off air talking about this just now. Explain to you, to me at least, the meaning of your, your surname. Okay. Um, my surname is uh, Dubdevani is, uh, is cherry, the fruit cherry. Yeah. This is the meaning in, in Hebrew. So I can call my, my wife from now on my Dubdevani, eh? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Shay. So, uh, but explain that it in Hebrew, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. So, yes, I, I want to, this, it's such, it's so interesting speaking to somebody from Israel. So, tell, tell us as listeners, where did your journey start where you've now ended up running congresses and being so involved with the Facial Plastic Society, etc. But it had to start as a young man. Tell us what your journey was and how you ended up being the, this facial plastic surgeon who's at the top of his game. Okay, so uh, during my residency in uh, otolaryngology, had neck surgery. Uh, I I had a small exposure for uh, facial plastic surgery. It wasn't so common in Israel that the uh, ENTs are facial plastic surgeon. Uh, most of the surgeries were done uh, uh, by ENTs or rhinoplasties. Um, and I, I have to, to say that this, this field uh, attracted, uh, attracted me very much. So I decided to go after my residency to a fellowship in facial plastic surgery. And I searched for a good fellowship in in this field. Uh, during my residency, the last year, I, I performed several uh, rhinoplasties in my department under the supervision of, of one of my mentors in, in my residency. Um, and then I traveled to Germany, to Recklinghausen, uh, to a fellowship with Professor Siegert and Dr. Magritz. Over there, the main, uh, the main surgeries were done with auricular reconstruction and uh, a lot of facial reconstruction and uh, 
rhinoplasty and uh, all the facelift and everything that is facial plastic surgeries and microvascular surgeries. Um, on the, this was on uh, uh, July 2010. And then I returned to Israel on July 2011. And they started to perform the procedures in Israel, also in the uh, Shiba Hospital, which is one of the uh, 10 best, uh, is, is graduate one of the 10 best uh, hospitals in the world by the news in music. Um, I'm performing there uh, all the reconstruction, some of the aesthetic, which are functional, I'm performing also there and all the rest I'm doing in the private clinic. Um, of course, after the fellowship, uh, you have the basic and the main learning begin after you are returning and start to operate by yourself. Because as long as you have your mentor with you, it's not the same. <laughs> Tending by yourself and start to operate, this is the main issue. This is the main issue. And you have to have a good basic skills with your hands and your mind. And you have to have a connection between your hands and mind. Um, and I think that the previous record of you can uh, uh, add some, some special aspect to your uh, techniques and the uh, and the attitude to, to, to rhinoplasty. I, at high school, I learned uh, uh, architecture. And uh, I am doing a lot of jobs with my hands. I am sculpturing and painting and uh, doing a lot of technical things. Uh, some uh, surgical instrument I'm doing by myself uh, at home. I have in my garage, I have a special uh, uh, machines to, to uh, produce this uh, instrument. And uh, then uh, after a few years, I decided to have the board certification. So uh, I started to learn. Uh, I have I had a, a very big log of op of operations then, and uh, I started to learn to the exam. And then we met on 2019 in Washington D.C. at the exam. Um. At that period, I also started to, to make this Congress. Uh, the first Congress was amazing. Um, after that came the COVID-19 that stopped everything. And now on May, we have the second Congress actually. That's fantastic. Eh? 
No, it's amazing how things have grown. And I also think back to World Rhinoplasty Day uh, 2020. Uh, there was a team from Israel. So tell me a bit about, like, in terms of colleagues and how big the society is, um, because you've got quite a small population. But, I mean, as a country, you guys punch way above your weight. Yeah, we we are a young uh, society. Uh, we are under the ENT society. And this is the the top society of our uh, sub-society, facial plastic surgery. Um, we have for now about 50 uh, members in this society. But uh, when we are doing a Congress, we have a lot of participants also from ENT and from other uh, fields. Um, <clears throat> uh, not all of the of the members are doing all the facial plastic surgery. Most of them doing a lot of rhinoplasties. Some of them do other things. Um, and so, in your passion within the area of facial plastic surgery, what's your single thing you like the most? Okay. Uh, I like reconstruction of the ears. I'm reconstructing both the aesthetic part and the hearing part. You know, I'm opening, uh, reconstructing the external ear canal and middle ear as well. Uh, and a lot of rhinoplasties. This is very, very uh, interesting operation. It's very demanding operation especially a revision rhinoplasty is a demanding operation because you can't control always the shrinkage of the, of the scars from the previous operation. And you have to, to take it into, into account when you are operating on a revision rhinoplasty, a revision patient, and to try to predict the shrink, shrinkage of the scar and and where and try to avoid it with a special ways. If it is with a different scars to do, uh, or, or supporting tissues with uh, stiffer elements like cartilage, um, it's very important because otherwise uh, you can fail. So, Shay, before we go a little bit more into the, the, the rhinoplasty side of things, it's very interesting that you say you actually do like middle ear and hearing reconstruct surgery. So are you doing like otology surgery as well, like um, different prostheses in the middle ear and cochlear implants and those kind of things, apart from just the facial plastics and rhinoplasty you're doing? I'm doing the uh, otology only because of the facial plastic, because I'm reconstructing the oracle. And uh, that's why I'm entering the middle ear and I'm reconstruct. I actually, I'm reconstructing a lot, a lot of middle ears. And, uh, but this is because of my specialty in uh, oracle reconstruction. So if you want to do it good, you have to do it from the beginning till the end. So because in terms of auricular reconstruction and people learning from you, et cetera, are there any possibilities for people to be able to come and 
do observerships or fellowships with you? Of course. May I have, I am a program director of the European Academy of Facial Plastic and Recon, uh, Surgery. Uh, people from all over the world can come and do a fellowship. The period of the fellowship is one year. Actually, now I have a fellow, Meyer Kuri, is from Israel, uh, uh, but uh, I am accepting from all over the world the fellows. Um, it's a one-year fellowship. After the fellowship, they can do the examination and uh, and uh, get the certification of board board certified exam. That's awesome, right? So like tell me, did, tell us, yeah. tell us as the listeners, what have been some of the the difficult times you've been through in your career, the times where you wanted to give up? I never give up. <laughs> never give up listen uh, this is I have a lot of reason to give up but I never give up okay this is the uh, this is the one key one of the keys to success you have to to stick in your target and to go for that go for that directly and if it's not going directly you can uh, going above or behind or under, but the target is the is the final uh, uh, destination. Wow! And you you, you okay. have to reach it. Of course. Okay. Another question: What are some of your most like light-hearted or humorous moments that you've had in theatre, specifically with patients or in operations or something like that? Does anything come to mind? Can you repeat the question, please? I'm saying in terms of funny things that have happened to you. Oh, um, in the OR. Okay, so um, actually I'm hearing music in the OR and I, I'm concentrating in the surgery. Uh, but sometimes, you know, there are jokes that uh, someone uh, speak uh, behind you and uh, even though you are not a uh, part of the of the conversation uh, uh, to to turn around and to see uh, someone talking and and to uh, respond to the to the joke uh, this is embarrassing a little bit to 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 the, the one that uh, were saying it and uh, it's making the whole team to to laugh and uh, but uh, i'm concentrating in the or in the patient uh, so uh, i'm i don't have uh, the time to laugh maybe uh, after the operation you know sometimes uh, to to uh, get a good uh, um, good result. That's more important than no, no, than no, no good result. I, we have to good the good uh, environment. Environment, yeah. So, uh, so Shay, tell me what for because we there are lots of listeners around the world who are not necessarily um, surgeons, more on patients who be operated. What are for you the key take home messages um, after a rhinoplasty? that you give the patients to listen to? What is the key things that they need to, to listen to and do well following surgery? 
Okay, so I'm following my patient a lot of time. I'm 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 for a long period. I'm following them at least one year after surgery. Uh, I I see them several times before surgeries. Uh, I want to uh, reassure the and to know that they know what I'm planning to do and uh, that they understand everything and all the uh, possible complications and the results. Um, and after the surgery I have, they are suffering not, not from not to lay on the side because I tell all patients not to lay on the side for six weeks. And this is very difficult for them, you know, because of the uh, uh, post-operative crook and uh, because of the gra gravitation. Uh, they are sleeping with a, a, a flight pillow. Uh, it's quite difficult for them, but uh, it, it, it proved to, to uh, improve the result of the crooked nose. Um, because, you know, most of patients, most, most of people are used to lay on one side more than the other side. And when, when they are minded to that, they will try and avoid it and they will sleep less on, on the side. And it's improved. Um, and close follow-up is very important. Even I'm seeing them one week post-operation, one month post-operation, three months, half a year, and one year. It's a lot. Sometimes when, when, when uh, the patient has a difficulty with the breathing, I can see them before, let's say in the first week, sometimes I can see them twice or three times and because to, to clean their nose, I, I'm not allowing them to touch anything inside the nose, uh, not with a, a Q-tip or anything. Uh, um, I'm afraid I, that they will uh, enter with the Q-tip between the sutures and uh, infect the nose or uh, will uh, take out one suture and it will cause an asymmetry of the nostrils. It's very important. Sure. Okay. So, Shay, let's come into the topic uh, that you really kind of wanted to talk about more, and that's revision rhinoplasty. So kick us off with, with possibly, um, let me think of something to ask you around it, is uh, what are your pearls of the information you would like to um, bring to our listeners who are doing rhinoplasties in terms of revision rhinoplasty? Okay. The, the surgery begin at the pre-surgery consultation. At that point of time, the operation begin. Um, because preoperative to decide if you, whether you need uh, to harvest ribs or you have a, to harvest a, a conchacabum uh, from the oracle or you have enough or not have enough cartilage in the septum uh, and to palpate the nose. This is the first 
step of the operation. It begins a few weeks before the operation, the first time that you see your operation, the patient. And then to understand the exact uh, wishes, wishes of the patient, uh, to see what he wants. I'm not, I'm not doing simulation, but I, sometimes I'm, I asking the patient to bring pictures of noses that are desired for them that they want. And I ask them not. Sorry, you, you're not simulating, but you are taking photographs before and of course. after. Of course, uh, I'm not simulating, but I'm, ta I'm taking the photos before and after and uh, to understand what the patient wants, I ask them to choose noses of models even that they want. I, I tell them, choose whatever you want. And then I sit with the photos and the patient and explain them why this nose is is suit to them or not suit to them to, to, to make them understand what is good for them and what is not good for them. And, um, the reason that I'm not doing simulation, it's because, you know, with the two dimension, you can reach a very nice nose. But after in, inside the operation, when you are operating on the patient, sometimes the, the two dimension and the real life are not the same. You are starting to turn around the patient and to see that it's not suitable for, for him, even though that in the spatial angle that you uh, took the photo, it's looked the same. But when you are looking at the patient, it's not fit his face. So what should we do? Uh, uh, wake up the patient and tell him it's not suitable for you. <laughs> so, and uh, okay. And then uh, after the, when it comes to the operation, <clears throat> uh, most of the revision rhinoplasty I am doing in an open approach. Um, some of the, of the, of the revision rhinoplasty, especially if it's mine, that I'm knowing, uh, that I know exactly what I have done previously, I do it in a closed technique because then you know ex exactly where to go and what need to be done more. Uh, and the inside operation, you, as you know, from revision rhinoplasty, you have a lot of scars uh, and the cartilage are, are retracted to place sometimes that you can't imagine that uh, uh, sometimes inside it looks worse than, than the outside. Um, and <clears throat> then uh, after opening the nose, you have to decide what kind of reconstruction are you doing of uh, revision rhinoplasty. And you have to consider the strength of the scars uh, and the strength of the nose uh, uh, 
to avoid the contraction of the nose, um, you have to uh, put cartilage that is hard enough, but not 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 more than what you want. You don't want a, a, a too much stiff nose. You have sometimes to to, to use rib. It's not the best of choice as I see it. Sometimes to take from the ear cartilage uh, when you don't need the the very strong uh, support, you can use the ear cartilage. You are receiving a softer nose. Um, and of course, the, the shape is the first goal for you as a surgeon. But uh, after the shape, even though the patient is very satisfied with the result, sometimes what's disturbing him is the hardness of the nose. It's the hardest. And then you have to consider what you are doing to make it as natural, not, by, not only by shape, also by touching the nose. Um, so you have a lot of things to do when you are doing revision rhinoplasty. Uh, most of the cases you have to enlarge the nose. Uh, most of the, most of time, not always, but most of time, the previous surgeon reduced too much the the projection. <clears throat> Uh, touch the uh, lower lateral cartilage and they are in the wrong angle um, and uh, sometimes there are there is a, a too much uh, a cephalic trimming of the of the uh, lower lateral cartilage it need to be corrected because it's causing a lot of uh, outside and inside uh, Disformities like a pinched nose, it causes pinched nose can cause um, also aesthetic problem and functional problem, and you have to to support the lower lateral cartilage. And Shay, how much <clears throat> are you using antibiotics, um, perioperative and postoperative? I'm using antibiotic only, and. Um, Interoperative. After surgery, only in special special cases when I I uh, suspect a possible infection, I'm using antibiotic. Otherwise, I will not use, use antibiotic. Most of patient, let's say, ninety percent of the patient are released without antibiotic, and I I I don't see a much a many. A, Infectious. And in, very... in terms of the population that you see, um, is it quite like one ethnic group with a certain like thin or thick skin, or is it quite diverse, the, the operations you're doing on people? Uh, we have a lot of skin types. You know, we are a, a, a kind of immigration countries. We have uh, uh, people that arrived from Europe and from Asia and from from uh, uh, Africa and from Arab countries. We have a lot of uh, 
no shape and uh, no texture uh, you have to you have to uh, to know a lot of technique in order to perform a good surgery surgery wow. that's very interesting so in terms of um junior listeners guys who kind of at the start of their career what are some of the advice you have for them okay First, you have to know that this is um, a way of life. You have to live the, the surgery. You have to love it. Uh, you have to love the, the surgery and you have to uh, understand, your, understand your patient to be able to be a uh, to read the, the patient desire and, and the future uh, patient wishes, not now before the surgery, what he will want after the surgery. If you see that the patient and, and all of this uh, is very, very, it's like an art to, to understand the patient and uh, to stick with your uh, profession. You have to, after that, if you are a young surgeon to, and want to, uh, to practice rhinoplasty, you have to, uh, to sign a target and to go for it. Even if it's hard, uh, you have to go for it all time and you have to find a good mentor first to, to help you to, to start. And then you are on your own. The major improvement is by your own. You have to participate in congresses. You have to see a lot of surgeons operating. Doing performing the operating the operation by your by yourself as a young surgeon, sometimes uh, after uh, let's say several uh, several uh, procedures, it's not adding you a lot of editing adding value. For example, if I'm operating on a patient which is very complex complex patient, sometimes if I'm letting my fellow to do this. Uh, you will learn less than, than seeing me doing that. Okay. I, I'm letting him operate a lot, a lot uh, on the public uh, hospital. Uh, but uh, sometimes to see this, the, the, the senior surgeon operating, adding you a lot of editing, adding for, for the learning. Uh, I, Tell them the all, uh, the all, all of the uh, our residents and my fellow look at my hands, how they are moving, how they are uh, holding the instruments, what kind of uh, uh, strength uh, stretch I am doing on the tissue. I'm holding how I am holding the tissue, not from the cartilage and what what forceps I'm using. This is very important because sometimes 
when you are looking in other surgeon, you can see, oh, it's very easy. I can do it by myself, <laughs> you know, but you, <laughs> but the, 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 the key for success is beginning at the small things, very small things. And then, uh, to, to try to sculpture on wood and, uh, uh, and, and, uh, and other materials is very important, uh, for, for the, for the imagination of how things are going to sit on the face. Yes. Well, Shay, that's great, eh? Um, what an interesting, more than half an hour of chatting to you. Uh, such a diverse and interesting human being, eh? So thank you. Thank you for your insights, for the people who've been in the game for a long time, but also for the new guys, you know? It's very inspiring to hear you say that. So um, on behalf of all the listeners around the world, I want to thank you for this. I want to also give a shout out to Pentax Loops who enabled this month's, um, the month of August on, on the Rhinoplasty podcast for all our different guests. And yeah, Shay, all the very best for you. Thank you for your passion about Rhinoplasty, your passion for fellowships around the world and everything you're putting into teaching. So thank you for your time. Thank you, Cam. Bye now.